Welcome to the table, Blackjack fans. I am the host of the all-new Ace 10 podcast. My name is Rod Gomez. You can find me on Twitter at RJ Gomez. Find this brand new show on Twitter as well at Ace 10 Cast. I am so excited to be talking Atlantic City Blackjacks football with you of the Arena Football League. This is a brand new team. This is a brand new podcast. I, though, am not a brand new broadcaster. And I thought that we'd start out today's show in this first episode by letting you know just a little bit about me and why this podcast exists. And uh, we'll dig into some of the nuts and bolts later on in the show. But uh, I definitely just want you to get a feel for who I am and why the heck I'm talking about Atlantic City Blackjacks football in the first place. So, uh, again, I said my name is Rod Villa Gomez, and I've been a podcaster now for the better part of what is it, 13 years now? 2006 is when I put up my shingles and and put my first podcast up. Um, I've been doing it ever since in sporadic uh, spots there. And then recently I actually uh, uh, buckled down and started a brand new uh, podcast about the Ottawa Red Blacks of the Canadian Football League uh, a couple seasons ago. Uh, I I did a league-wide podcast when it came to the AAF, if anybody can remember that. Um, And then I've also uh, thrown in my hat with a fellow AAF broadcaster or podcaster rather, uh, and started a, uh, arena Kings DFS, uh, fantasy football podcast, which covers the DraftKings contests for, um, for the, uh, arena football league. And so basically look, my background in sports is that I've, I've been, I've called sports for about as long as I can remember. Um, in fact, it, when I was a kid, uh, way, way back in the day, uh, before any social media, before anything that ever, uh, uh connected people together, especially in fantasy football wide, uh, I would go out and I would make up my own football leagues. And, and it's funny that I'm, uh, podcasting about leagues that aren't the NFL because I, I created, you know, an eight team league, or at least I think it was a, a 10 team league at the time, but, um, just built it from scratch had had silly names like the uh was it the LA Destroyers the San Francisco Kickbacks uh I don't know it was just it was silly I was like 13 at the time and I was keeping stats and um I would go outside and actually play out the games and um it was I don't know it's funny it's funny now that I look back on it because that basically set me up to be the fantasy geek that I am and the football geek that I am Uh, I never got a chance to play uh, entirely too small to play but uh, I definitely loved football. I loved calling football. Um, and I would sit in my uh, couch on Sundays and say words before John Madden would say them and, and other people. And I, my friends got annoyed and said, go out and call sports because you're annoying us. And if you're going to do this, get paid for it. So um, while I've never really been paid much for it, I, did, I have pay, uh, called some college games. I've called high school games. Um, you know, I've called seasons worth of high school footballs uh, and, and, and various sports, hockey and softball and, um, you know, but then, you know, I, I really just wanted to get back into podcasting. And so that's when I started the wood cookie Sawcast about the Ottawa red blacks. And, um, from there it's just led to a whole bunch of fun stuff. And so this podcast exists because I love talking football. And when I started to follow the arena football league after the demise of the AAF, um, 
I wanted to obviously cover the DraftKings angle of it because, first of all, DraftKings brand new to the Arena Football League, and there was a lot of people that were trying to get information about it, and it wasn't out there. So myself and uh, uh, Joe Van Awesome, who is the co-host of the Arena Kings DFS podcast, we got together and decided to be that voice and to talk about the DraftKings aspect of the Arena Football. And uh, so far, we're the only podcast out doing it. So uh, if you want some some fantasy information, head down to arena kings dfs uh, you can find it um on all your uh podcast catchers uh, pretty much and uh yeah look for it there so we did that and i knew that i wanted to talk a little bit more about the arena football league because now this is uh what four weeks in now we're in week five and i really do enjoy the brand of football i, I used to watch a little bit way back in the day. I mean, I know this thing's been around for 30 some odd years, but um, I never really got into it because I don't think it was there to watch for us back, you know, when it was, I, I don't want to say when it was popular because it was around when it was popular, but I just never really could settle in to get to get really serious about it until the DraftKings um, aspect of it got introduced. And so then I started watching the games and I, I, I really enjoyed them. And so in picking a team, um, because when I, when I made the podcast for the arena or the AAF rather, um, I wanted to stay out of picking a team because I just wanted my podcast to be about the whole league. I wanted to enjoy the whole league and I did not want to root for one single team. Uh, but that's not the case with this podcast because, or with the, um, the, the, the league even because I knew even doing a DraftKings uh, podcast meant I didn't have to pick a team. And so, uh, I mean, I, I could pick a team because I didn't have to stay above it all. So I went for one of the new teams and the brand new team, because as am I a, I would consider myself a brand new fan. Um, I am going to pick a team that has not existed ever. And so uh, I wanted to to just start from scratch, just like I am. And so I picked the Atlantic City Blackjacks. And I'm happy I did because I do enjoy uh, watching those guys play. I mean, Randy Hippert's great. Kendrick Ings is great. Lamarck Brown, Antoine Grant. Um, all those guys are fun to cheer for. And uh, I really think Atlantic City's got something going. They look like a, a very good young franchise and uh, their fans really pack that boardwalk place. And, you know, again, with the team being brand new still, uh, even that area has got a lot of rich football heritage in it. And so uh, it really comes through. And I mean, what a cool arena they play in with the the stages and all that other good stuff. So um, it's been fun. And then as a bonus, uh, my, my team in the CFL, the Canadian football league is the Ottawa red blacks. And so I don't even have to buy any other different colors because most of my wardrobe is red and black anyways. So I basically have the wardrobe set for this blackjacks franchise because they are red and they are black. So, uh, that's a, that's an added bonus right there. I think I just flocked to the red black, uh, uh, motif and so um, plus it's cool because I love playing cards um, I'm more of a poker player than a blackjack player but hey I can get down with blackjack um, you know the concept of it all is is still fun so uh, yeah I mean it was just a natural progression for me to get in there and to um, to be a blackjacks fan so that is why this podcast exists the ace 10 podcast why ace 10 rod well because that makes 21 and I didn't want to, um, I don't know. I didn't want to be too campy with it and, uh, ace King, ace queen, whatever. I mean, I don't know. Aces. I just, I thought ACE 10 was, would be a great visual and an easy way to remember the podcast. And it makes sense because it's 21. Um, you know, I could say ACE Jack or ACE King, but everyone would be like, well, what's, is that a poker? Um, but no, ACE 10, ACE 10 podcast is, is, uh, 
what this is called. So uh, again, I hope, and, and I've, I'm starting to contact now some officials from the team uh, because I will be bringing, uh, just like I do with my Canadian football podcast and what I did with my uh, AAF podcast was um, bring voices from the organization into uh, your ears, into your living rooms, into your cars, into wherever you're listening to this. Because I think that as a fan experience, hearing from the folks that make this stuff happen is is exactly what we need to do. Because if we're going to buy into a franchise, if we're going to buy into a sports team, we need to feel connected. And so the only way to really feel connected is if we can actually speak to the people that are involved in the team, in the organization. Uh, and so it's a lot of fun. I, I've, I've had some great great player interviews um, in, in my past episodes of, of my other podcasts. And I really feel as if we can continue this now with the Blackjacks and hopefully get uh, the likes of Randy Hippard and, you know, some Kendrick Ings, Lamarck Brown, and some defensive guys that are uh, making names too. So um, we're going to do that and we're going to do a lot of it. And we're going to do this for the next few weeks that we have uh, of this season. And then we'll continue on to the next. So uh, this will be a lot of fun. Uh, just can't wait to take this ride. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's all, that's all about me uh, again and, and this show and why it exists. So uh, let us take a look back at the last week because I'm starting this episode uh, on a win. <laughs> that's a great time to start coming off of a win uh, against the brigade. So let's take a look back at that game uh, in our next segment. Atlantic City got to enjoy some home cooking this week, this last week rather, as they beat the Brigade 48-41. to What a great game. This was a game where the Blackjacks had the lead from the beginning and did not relinquish it even <laughs> even till the end where it almost looked as if Baltimore might have a little bit of juice uh, to come back and uh, make it a, a very interesting finish to the game, which they did anyways, but even still, Atlantic City, again, took the lead early and did not relinquish it, and uh, it was it was a great win, forty eight forty one. Like I said, and you want to take a, a talk about time of possession in this one was key. Uh, Atlantic City had thirty five minutes and one second to Baltimore's uh, twenty four fifty nine. So again, Randy Hippert and company working quickly, or I mean, not working quickly, but uh, uh, keeping the ball and 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 managing to uh, be effective when they did have the ball. Look at the quarterback matchup in this one. Hippert, 20 of 32, 192, three touchdowns and two interceptions against Shane Boyd's 22 of 33 for 236. He had four touchdowns and two interceptions. But really the story of this game um, was Lamarck Brown, to be honest with you. And and it wasn't because he was making spectacular catches or he was um, you know all over the place. Uh, but Lamarck Brown had three touchdowns. He had one uh, through the air, he was four for 41 with one touchdown, but he had two rushing touchdowns and both of those touchdowns were, were great. And they, I mean, they were to the point where he just like a knife through butter, you know, cutting in and, and getting to the end zone only had to rush three times for four yards to get those two touchdowns. But, um, that was all he needed. And then Antoine Grant, uh, had a, a rushing touchdown as well. So the receivers contributing on the rushing side of it, which I mean, we tend to see, you know, enough of in the uh, arena football league, but it seems like, uh, this week they, Atlantic city really exploited the fact that, um, you know, it, that Baltimore could not stop the running backs or <laughs> the receivers, uh, that, that, 
acted as running backs and they managed to get three touchdowns out of it to augment Hippard's three through the air. Uh, Kendrick Ings finally coming back to life. Uh, he had 10 for 91 with a touchdown as well. And then Rashad still, uh, who we, I mean, was, was, was not even really a factor and it was still a little hurt, uh, contributed with a touchdown as well. Um, so a, a lot of great stuff happening offensively. And here's the thing. And I've, I've heard from several people as I, as I've learned about this team and as I've learned about this league that, um, this Atlantic city team is not, not necessarily your your average new franchise and it's not one that is starting from absolute scratch because they've got a lot of great names in it um obviously the name randy hippard is is huge um as as everybody remembers from last season so bringing him in and bringing him to be the man of the uh of the hour and the the quarterback was a big deal and and they look like a polished team. Um, it, it's just a matter of I think they've got to have some stability and and some um, consistency. Really, is what it all boils down to, and and consistency from their receivers. Because you know, at week one, Kendrick Ings just burst on the scene, and then all of a sudden, kind of fell off, and then. Antoine Grant uh, did the same thing kind of where he he had a great week and then fell off a little bit. Lamarck Brown's been the only kind of consistent performer in this. Uh, but again, he's not necessarily blowing the roof off of the, the building. So um, I think there just needs to be a little more chemistry built between uh, Hippard and his receivers. And I mean, good things could happen. Uh, the, the blackjacks are now at two and two and they're mired right there in the middle of it all. Um, and obviously their next week opponent is, is standing on top, uh, you know, with Columbus down there on the bottom. But uh, by the same token, you know, the, these guys have a shot now as they are two and two, just like just about everybody else in the league. Um, so they have an opportunity to pull away uh, if they can get past the first place team next week. So it's going to be a huge test. But again, in that game, um, it was a lot of back and forth. You know, uh, it was Lamarck Brown who um, caught the pass from Hipper to start it out and make it 6 nothing, And then uh, still with his lone touchdown pass made it 13 uh, nothing, And then in the second quarter, it was uh, Nixon with a one-yard run for Baltimore to make it 13-7. Ings uh, had a fumble return, and then he uh, ran it back for a, a touchdown. So that was 20-7. to and then Hills caught a five-yard pass from Boyd, 20-13 to 13 at Baltimore at the half. I mean, I'm sorry, Atlantic City at the half. Baltimore scored to close out the half. Um, and then Antoine with his one-yard run made it 27-13. Uh, Brandon Collins caught a pass from Shane Boyd to make it 27-19. And then in the fourth, that's when all heck broke loose. <laughs> and, and here's the thing. I'm not quite used to uh, arena football in the pinball nature of its scoring yet, uh, but I'm getting there and uh, it, it's fun to watch because you never know. I mean, you can uncork one and be one play and you're done and, and, and you've got a touchdown in your hands. So um, it, it's crazy to watch how quickly it can all happen in the fourth quarter was exactly that um, because at 11, 18 uh, Lamarck Brown finally got in for a touchdown run uh, and 11, 18. I mean, I, you know, the drive's, that start it's like four minutes and it, it feels like forever. Uh, but Lamarck Brown got his his other touchdown, thirty four nineteen. He made it. Collins again 
caught another one from Boyd, 34-26 Atlantic City led. And then uh, this is when it started to get interesting uh, because Hippard got picked off and uh, it was Martin who returned it for a 26-yard touchdown to make it 34-33. So now Baltimore's within one, uh, but then Kendrick Ings caught a four-yard pass from Hippard to extend the lead 41-33. Lamarck Brown picking up his second rushing touchdown, making it 48-33. And then at the end of the game... Boy, I mean, you want to talk about last minute. Uh, Hills caught a 20-yard pass from Boyd for the touchdown, and then obviously they couldn't really do anything after that because the game was over. But, um, you know, they just Atlantic City outlasted Baltimore, and uh, what a great game that was because, again, this is, this is a team that is going up against, you know, all of the folks from last season, uh, you know, uh, uh, an Arena Bowl contender last season, you know, the Valor and the Brigade. And so for Hippard and, and company to outlast the the Baltimore Brigade, I think says a lot to them uh, or about them. And basically tells me that we're in for a heck of a season. I, I really think that um, these guys are, are really going to find their, their stride and uh, and really make a push for it because again they've got they've got the toughest part of their schedule I think this week obviously um, in in the first place Albany Empire you know four and zero is nothing to to sneeze at um, and so they've really got to get they've got to get past that so after that you know it, it's one of those things where um, they they've proven that they can win in almost any game they've been competitive so far in in just about every game. I mean, there, there hasn't been really a game where they've been completely out of it. And so, you know, for, for that, you got to say that you like their chances, you know, you, you like where they're, they're heading out. Um, you know, that week one was uh, a game against Philadelphia where they lost by seven, you know, 48, 41, the same score they just scored against the brigade, but they lost to the soul. Um, and then, I mean, that's the soul, right? So, uh, then they turn around and beat Columbus 42-35, which is what they needed to do. Uh, you have to beat teams like Columbus uh, to keep yourself uh, in the, the mix of it. Um, and then, of course, they turn around and they lost the next week to the Valor. But again, that's the Washington Valor. These are these are guys that I obviously know that Washington only won, what was it, two games in the regular season and then ended up winning the, the Arena Bowl last year. So um, even still, you know, that's a team that made it and won the Arena Bowl. So if you're going to lose lose to a team like that, but then they turn around and beat the Baltimore Brigade. Um, you know, so you look at the rest of the schedule coming up where they've got Albany, then they've got Baltimore again, which they've proven that they can win. It's Baltimore at home. Um, so you, you're looking at the next two games, even if they don't take the the Albany Empire out this week. They've got Baltimore, they've got Columbus. Those are two very winnable games. Um, and then they've got Philadelphia, that rematch there. Uh, at Philadelphia, so you know maybe by then they'll be on a roll enough to take them out. Uh, then they run back into Albany and and so on and so forth. I mean, you know, again, then there's a Valor. So these are all. I mean, you could see this team um, keeping in the mix of it and and very likely uh, hanging in that playoff mix. And by the end of the season, find themselves somewhere in the playoffs. And I mean, that's all you want to be, right? You want to be within striking distance at the end of the season. You want to be able to say that, um, you have a chance to, to be in the championship game and that's all you got to do. Uh, and, and a game like this game where they held the, the lead from the wire to the, from wire to wire, 
shows that they can play with the lead and keep the lead, um, even if it makes it scary at the end. Uh, but that is arena football, and it was a good, tight, close game. So you definitely can't argue with that. Um, all right, well, let's take a look ahead at next week and see what we got to do to beat the Albany Empire. Albany comes to the boardwalk sporting a perfect 4-0 and record as they take on the Black Jackson. It's the first place team. Uh, this is going to be, like I said in the last segment, one of the biggest tests in the in the season early on because uh, Albany has been looking like the most unstoppable team in the league right now. And, and they've got the top passer. They've got the top receiver uh, as far as yards are concerned and you know pretty much up there with touchdowns as well. And uh, they've got a formidable team. They got Tommy Grady at the helm, who uh, right now is coming in with 23 touchdowns on the season, 1,052 yards on 80 completions and 114 con- attempts. So, I mean, he's coming in with a passer rating of 127.6. The man is on fire. And he's got Malachi Jones, who uh, on 33 receptions has 529 yards and eight touchdowns himself. So, uh, Malachi Jones, who came from uh, obviously he was on the Empire last season uh, and then went and tried his luck at the uh, AAF and he was with the Atlanta Legends uh, and he actually you know he, he probably could have done a lot better than he did there um, if he would have had a stable quarterback position uh, he didn't necessarily have the greatest of quarterbacks he certainly didn't have a Tommy Grady that's for sure um, he had Matt Sims and uh, and then he also had um, uh, boy Aaron Murray, that's who he has. <laughs> that was the other one. Uh, but he had th- those guys thrown. He didn't have Tommy Grady, and he didn't have the wall, and he didn't have um, the speed of, of the shorter field. So Malachi Jones stepping right back in to that top receiver spot. And, you know, for for what it's worth, the only thing I think you need to do, and we, I know you can oversimplify things, but uh, I think if you're going to oversimplify one thing about what this uh, team has to do, what this Atlantic City Blackjack team has to do to to win this game is quite simply just shut down Malachi Jones. Um, because behind Malachi Jones, there's really not a lot to be scared of. Um, Quentin Sims is, is in the mix, and then so is Demetrius Stevens, but past uh Malachi Jones it really just kind of drops off and and you you know you see it um in Malachi Jones's production numbers and nobody's been able to do it so far so I don't know <laughs> I don't know what the answer is and I'm hoping that the blackjack studied enough film on Malachi and even still Malachi uh is questionable for this game um I have not seen any updates to the contrary yet so I know that uh, the last report I saw showed that Malachi Jones was questionable I don't know exactly what that means. Uh, I do know that obviously he he was listed here on the practice report as a limited participant. Uh, but then if you look on the other side of the board, uh, the people that did not participate, it, Quentin Sims didn't participate in, in tonight's. I'm taping this on a Wednesday, so uh, this is the Wednesday report, and he was not a participant, Quentin Sims. So you got to figure that if Quentin Sims is not participating in practice and Malachi Jones is a limited participant. Uh, somebody's going to have to step up on that. Uh, but here's the thing on, on our side of it, on Atlantic city side of it, uh, Randy Hippert 
did not participate in practice today. So I have not seen any news on what could be wrong with Randy uh, or even Malachi for that matter. So should Randy be uh, again a non-participant on Thursday, uh, you might want to keep an eye on that today as you're listening to this. Uh, and, And also Malachi Jones, because that also puts an entirely new wrinkle in the whole thing. Because as I said before, with Malachi Jones out and now Quentin Sims not participating in practice, that just leaves Demetrius Stevens as one of the formidable forces out there um, for Albany. And then who's Tommy Grady got to throw to after that? He's going to have to find an entirely new set of receivers. So um, it's going to be interesting. So keep an eye on those practice reports because that's going to make things quite interesting. But um, again, really, like I said before, the way to to stop this is to um, stop Malachi Jones because unless injury does it for you, um, it's just a matter of, of being able to key in on the main weapon that this team has. And, and it's, it's exploitable, but you just have to have a defensive scheme uh, really just zeroed in on, on Malachi Jones. I wish it was, I wish that there was a more uh, sophisticated sounding answer. And I wish that there was a more analytical approach that you could take to this. But um, again, if you want to beat a four and O team, you've got to shut down their main weapon and their main weapon is Malachi Jones. Um, so game planning for this is, is, is a key to walking away with a three and two record and, and sending uh, Albany down to four and one. So the, the really what it comes down to is, is can we see that on the field on Saturday? Can we keep an eye on, um, on what's going to happen and how that's going to work out? Because to be honest with you, it's, it's obviously been a bigger, um, a bigger issue for people to do this year than, than it has been because apparently no one's been able to do it so far. And, and we've seen that now in four and Oh, uh, but we will see, hopefully it play out, uh, seven o'clock on Saturday, uh, on ESPN three or on your local station. And might I just say, and I'll digress here for a second. Cause again, this week five previews, not, not difficult. You know, um, when you're going against Goliath, you've got to find the right rock to bring him down. Uh, and so the right rock is, is getting Malachi Jones to not run all over you, not run past you and not catch a ton of touchdown passes. That's really what this all boils down to. So, um, but I just want to say kudos to the commissioner, kudos to everybody out there, uh, involved in the president in, in getting ESPN to pick up these games because as a new fan and I'll call myself a new fan, um, I was worried about whether or not I was going to be able to watch the games because, uh, especially being in the fantasy football angle of the whole thing, because I wanted to make sure that I watched the games. I wanted to make sure that I, um, could keep up with the players and, and actually know what I was talking about. And they did that. They made it possible by, by putting it on ESPN three. Um, and so I'm truly grateful for that because now not only do you get to watch them, but like me this weekend, I don't think I'll be able to watch them live because I'm going to be working all weekend. And uh, when I get back from work, I'll be able to queue it up and watch it on demand and not miss anything. So I'm pretty excited about that. But uh, yeah. Anyways, again, week five, pretty cut and dry. Stop Malachi Jones, win game at home. Everybody goes home happy. And the boardwalk continues to uh, to rock and be raucous for the Atlantic city blackjack. So, um, all right, listen, short, sweet to the point this episode, because I just, I wanted to introduce this show. Um, we will have some, uh, different, um, 
ways of setting things up and, and maybe a couple of different segments and quite hopefully a interview um, next week because we'll uh, we'll be reaching out some more over the course of the next weeks. But I wanted to get this out because I really think Atlantic City deserves to have a voice, uh, have a podcast out there. And uh, I- I'm happy to be that podcast. So, uh, all right. So I will go ahead and close this show for this week and uh, we'll talk more next week. And that will conclude the first ever episode of the Ace 10 Podcast. Again, I'm your host, Rod Gomez. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, I cannot wait to bring you more content. We've got plenty more weeks of this. And I can't not wait, again, to bring you more voices from the Atlantic City Blackjacks organization and uh, just be able to celebrate Atlantic City Blackjacks football with you, Arena League football with you. And uh, we're just going to have a ton of fun the rest of the season. Uh, so good luck against Albany. I hope you guys are out there cheering loudly. And uh, yeah, until next time, uh, good luck, everyone. <laughs>